You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your nine-fingered host. And uh, today we have a Hunter Profile podcast with Lance Catfish Hammond. And uh, he's from Wichita, Kansas. And he's going to tell us a story about a buck that he has not sealed the deal with yet, but he has three years of history with. So just like any good story... Some stories have not ended yet, and some stories could just be getting started. So Lance is going to tell us uh, a story today about, and and walk us through basically, a story of a buck that he's named Flash Gordon, and that he is, uh, he's looking forward to seeing if he made it through the, uh, the, the hunting season this year, and uh, to see if his story continues into 2016. So... If you guys have a cool story with, uh, you know, a really cool detailed story about a deer you've been chasing for a couple years or a neat story about uh, maybe an out-of-state trip. Hell, it doesn't even have to be about whitetails, guys. I, I'm up for any type of story, whether it's an elk hunt, you know, a, a moose hunt, a grizzly bear hunt, a, you know, I don't know, any type of big game hunt in North America. I would love to hear it. If it's exciting, if you have maybe history with the animal, if uh, maybe there was a, a life or death situation, maybe up in the mountains or something like that, hey, those are cool stories too. So uh, hit me up at ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com. Let me know a little bit about your story, and I'll see if I can fit you on the podcast. But right now, we're going to hear from Lance Catfish Hammond on this week's Hunter Profile. All right, on the phone with me now is Lance Catfish Hammond. And first thing I want to know before we even start talking about this deer you're going to be chasing, I want to know how you got the nickname or the middle name Catfish. Oh, boy. Um, I actually started working at a signing company, and my department lead thought I was full of energy. I was just a good spirited person. He was like, you're crazy in a catfish. And it just kind of stuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's worse things that a person could be called. That's right. So Lance, why don't you fill us in on, um, where you're from and what do you do for a living? I am from Wichita, Kansas, and I am a CNC routing operator. Okay. And, uh, how old are you? I'm 22 years old. You're just a baby. 
Yep. That's all right. I uh I'm gonna live through you on this on this story, okay? All right. All right. So we're gonna be talking about a deer. Now you haven't you haven't killed this deer yet, but you have three years worth of history of them, right? Yep. All right. So why don't you go ahead and let's start at the very beginning. And I want to I want you to tell us about the very first time you ever saw this deer that we're talking about. Okay. Well, I named him Flash Gordon because as soon as he came in, I looked at him and he disappeared. I don't know if he had smelled me or had seen the commotion. It was actually September 21st of 2013, my first year on this new piece of property I gained. Actually, through my girlfriend at the time, it was her father's place. And she told her dad, hey, can he come hunt? He's like, yeah, sure. Took me out one time, saw the tracks and rubs and scrapes, and there was actually an old tree stand made out of rebar that had been there for probably 15 years that he said no one hunted in that long already up. So I put a trail camera out, and a week before season, the next week, opening day, I checked it, and I had three or four what I would call shooters at that point on camera, and I'd gave each one of them a different name, but this one really stuck out because all I got was half of his side. And he had a, a funky side with a split brow and uh, what looked to be uh, a really thick mass bean bean. So I, I thought that was kind of neat and got up in the stand that morning and actually shot my first buck with a bow at probably 7.50 in the morning, his little eight-pointer I called space bar because he had a real wide gap between his uh, route times. And after I shot that buck, more deer kept funneling through, and this deer ran in, looked up at me, because I think I just hung my bow back up, looked up at me, looked down, snorted, and took off running. So wait wait a second. You, you were dating this girl. Her dad's got a killer piece of property. Now, did you marry her so you could seal the deal for hunting ground for the rest of your life? Yes, I did. Okay. So, <laughs> is, is, now, is that why you married her? No. Okay. All right. That's a All bonus. Right. That's a bonus. Good. Okay. That's a good thing. Now, tell us a little bit about – I mean, you said you walked into this piece of property, and there was three bucks, which you would call a shooter. Now, you're in Kansas, which is typically a good state for uh, mature whitetails. What – uh, what did these three deer look like? And uh, best guess on age. Okay. Well, the first one that I called Space Bar, I actually ended up shooting my opening hunt of the season. He was a 118-inch eight-pointer. And then he had another eight-pointer with him that had a little bit taller brow time, so we called him Daggers. And they were both about, I'd say, three-year-olds, if I had to guess. And then... The third one was Flash Gordon, and I I threw that name just because I had watched the movie Ted, and that song had been stuck in my head while I was looking at <laughs> the camera pictures. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that'll work. So and, uh, how big how big was Flash Gordon that that first year? I'd say he was a mid, probably one twenty five as a three year old. One twenty five, and you and you you guessed him at three years old, and is he uh, eight point or two? No, he was actually a nine-pointer. A nine-pointer. His other side, 
had a crime call on it. Okay. All right. So you you went in your trail camera. You got these three bucks on it. Uh, right off the bat, you killed a deer. Uh, the buck that. What year was that? That was 2013. Okay, 2013. So knowing that you had a couple of deer on there that you would love to shoot going into the 2014 season, did you do any scouting or any planning in between the 2013 and the 2014 season? I did. I used – I kept my trail camera running through the, in the end of 2013 season as I tried to harvest a doe and ended up not actually harvesting one. I, I have some curse here. I cannot kill a doe to save my life, um, but I've shot bucks every year. So I used what info I had from that one trail camera. In the beginning of the 2014 season, or at least the summer, I had bought two new, two new cameras and put them in different spots and was getting more pictures of different bucks because I'm right on the river and a creek crossing where they meet. So I'm getting deer from different properties just walking through and I had we had planted corn that year, so my scouting was kind of cut in half because I really couldn't do any glassing with my binoculars, and I didn't have access from the neighboring properties because they didn't agree with hunting at all. Well, that's so, good. That's good for you. If uh, yeah. one of the partners doesn't, or one of the bordering properties doesn't allow hunting, that's basically just a giant bedding area for you. Yes and no. There's a section right in the field. Because it's mainly field, and then there's woodline all around it. And there's a little pine grove that the neighbor has that he does a lot of burn piles and stuff like that. And that's where most of the does are bedding. But the bucks, I do not believe, are bedding on my property. And the landowner, it's my father rents the place that's on it, but has right to do anything he needs. The actual landowner, her son actually hunts that property, and it was one of his old stands I had killed that buck out of. Okay. And he's an older guy. And the landowner actually just passed away this last year. Um, but she told my father-in-law as long as he kept the farm up, he could stay there. So he, uh, the scouting I did was I'd go in, I'd set my cameras, I'd check them. I did put mineral blocks out because of some reading I had done through uh, Field and Stream. Or I think actually uh, I'd watched Major League Bow Hunter and got the mineral rock idea. And that's where I started getting most of the velvet pictures and started watching these deer grow and noticed that Flash Gordon was really aimed in this one area. I don't know where he's coming in or out, but he is definitely walking through this path. So I'd set up a ground blind for that 2014 season on the, on the, it's a kind of a pinch point behind a field edge. Okay. And, watched him walk up the tree line from about 80 yards to 30 yards to me. He turned and chased a doe off. And then I didn't see him for the rest of that season, except for maybe two or three times when I was driving down the road and he just happened to be standing in the farmer's field that doesn't let people hunt. All right. So how many times did, did you have these stand locations where you're at um, pre- hung in the summertime or were you doing a lot of bouncing around to try to figure out this deer's uh, pattern? The property I'm on is not very big, uh, but I have several stands that are stone stands, which I'm not going to move, but the blinds that I sat in mostly 
I had set up well before in the middle of summer. For the first time I got in it, I had spiders falling on me. It had, <laughs> they had made a home in there, so I lost my mind and probably scared some deer off because I, uh, I hate spiders. But it, it, scared me. <laughs> it did turn my flashlight on, saw probably a thousand eyes on the ground. I was like, yep, I'm going to a tree stand. All right. So the next thing, the next thing is where, what's, what's your thought process? Is this buck in 2014 still showing up on, on trail camera? Did, um, are you typically trying to hunt just the weekends because of your job or are you able to get out throughout the entire week? I was actually, I'm very blessed to be able to get off at two or three 30 during the week. So I had time to hunt weekdays when we don't have to pick up my stepson or anything like that. So I would, I'd go out maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays and then all weekend okay. and sit. And, uh, it was more of a, he was in this one area and it's just one long strip of timber that I have two cameras on one at the corner and then one at the property line. And I'm seeing him right at the mineral site before the property line. And that was the only camera I was getting him on. So I was thinking he was coming from the property behind us, crossing the river, and coming up on one of the steeper banks on the property. Yeah, that's a good point. Why don't you uh, describe what you, the how many acres the property that you're hunting on is and how it's kind of laid out and the, maybe a little bit about the terrain. Okay. If I had to guess, it's about 110 acres. Most of it is field for agricultural because the, uh, one of the local farmers farms a lot of the fields around there. And uh, there's a wood line that goes all the way around the property down the, the creek line. And then if you're looking into the field, the right side has that pine grove, and then it connects to the other farmer's field separated by a little wire fence, which there's very few trees blocking so you can look from field to field. Okay. And uh, the deepest part of the timber that I have, there's a teardrop on the south end of it where it funnels down to like 15 yards, and then there's a straight drop off into the river, and then there's a creek on the other side. So it makes almost like a Florida tip. Okay. And back in there, there's another small strip of timber that they can access that we've actually had a few does killed by some buddies that I've let hunt with me that have seen big deer back there and taken a doe. So it's, it's almost like if you would connect Florida, uh, the bottom of Florida to Texas. Okay. If I could best describe it like that. Gotcha. Now I've been to Kansas. My uncle lives there in uh, Southeast Kansas and it's, it's fairly flat, but the cricks, the crick banks are really steep and the river banks are really steep. Um, so does that kind of limit where the, the deer movement is coming in and off of your property? It does when it comes to the river. Now, the creek that runs down one side of our property does run to the river. And in that teardrop where our property ends and the river starts, there is a big heavily used trail where they're coming from the, actually behind the school. There's a big field behind the football field that the deer will feed in, and then they will come across the creek into that teardrop piece of piece of the property, and then they'll work through the pinch point and then just up the edge of the field or into the timber. 
Okay. So you are so you're hunting fairly close to town. I'm literally on the right over the bridge is the middle of Cedric, Kansas. Oh boy. I can shoot from one of my stands. I can shoot an arrow and hit a house. <laughs> it's probably 110 yards. If that nice, nice. Well, we don't want to give away too much here of your hunting property, but, uh, all right. So back to the story here. All right. Flash Gordon, you named him flash Gordon in 2013. You, had um how many encounters total did you have with him in 2014 one encounter on stand and then several while i was leaving or in my truck driving okay and um was this was this because you were in the wrong spot or was it uh did you wait were you waiting for specific winds or um tell us a little bit about about those encounters well, the encounter I had on stand while I was in the blind was in the middle of November, and I I hadn't paid attention to the wind a whole bunch. Um, I just kind of thought, all right, go in, put your time in here, and he should eventually show up or come into the call. So I I probably messed that up quite a few times because the wind would be coming from my back to in front of me, or it'd be going from left to right. We normally have a north wind which is horrible for my place. But every south wind I get, I always see deer. Gotcha. Gotcha. So a south wind on your property is fairly rare. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's normally from a, a storm front coming in or a, just a big weather pattern. That will just change it. And every time I've seen one of those, I've hunted it. And just like this last year, I saw so many deer this year playing the wind and studying the barometric pressure that I actually got from your guys' podcast. Okay. So, all right, 2014, you uh, you saw him coming, you know, from to and from your truck. You saw him one time in the stand. At, at Was there a point where you're like, okay, I got to try something different if I want to get, if I want to get closer to this buck? Yeah, I had, after I saw him run that doe off, I thought, okay, maybe this spot's not going to be the best because they kept ducking in just out of range into the timber. So we actually tried to move a blind into the timber about where they were going, and that's, that blind never worked because it was either full of wasps or uh, a tree fell on at one time or the snow would have packed it in. It was just everything I tried to keep it standing, it didn't work. Okay. All right. So did you have to get another, did you have to get another tree stand? Did you have to uh, move a tree stand? Uh, I ended up taking the blind down and I now have for just this last season, I put up a two man stand right where they've been ducking into the woodlot or into the timber. And it proved very successful. And he normally he would run to the corner cut into the timber and I, I don't know if he was crossing the river or if he was just shooting behind me trying to corner the wind okay so so after that uh after 2014 uh came to an end you had your encounters with him now it's uh the summer of 2015 uh did you do any I guess that spring, did you do any uh, spring scouting or shed hunting on that property? Uh, we did. I did a couple 
shed hunts, and I found actually a match set to an eight-pointer I didn't even know was there. And then uh, one of the neighbors in town that just kind of happened to be walking down the river one day found a big 10-point shed or a half shed that measured, I think it says, 65 inches on one side. It had a lot of mass and tall pines, but it was really old. Nice. And, but for shed hunting, we're in kind of a bowl area, so when it rains and floods, it floods everything. I can't get back there. All right. So, uh, just, does that ground stay flooded then? Not all the time, but it'll be after a hard rain. It'll flood for two or three days, and then it's just muck, and I can't get back there. Okay. Even with a four wheeler. Now, what did you do different in the summertime? Did you do any stand, like any extra scouting to prepare, or did you start running trail cameras? How how big was he going into this this season, the 2015 season? When I had seen him in 2014, I had guessed him to be a one 140s class nine pointer. He had actually his crab quality had actually moved back and turned into a more defined uh, G4, and then on his other side, he grew more mass, and his brows got a little taller. Okay. So going into 2015, I had actually lost a couple cameras due to the flooding, and um, I think I accidentally dropped one, and it just didn't work right after that. Okay. So I went in with two cameras, got a few pictures of him in a distance, and then he just disappeared on me around October. All right. I did a lot of dove hunting in September, so I didn't get out for early season because it was so hot and the mosquitoes are terrible down by the water where I normally like to hunt. So, so you, you weren't running, you weren't really running any trail cameras because of that fact? Yeah, just due to the, the lack of cameras and I was actually working more overtime Gotcha. So I wasn't able to get out and check them as much, or the batteries die because I just forget to change them. Gotcha. So uh, did did you have any pictures of him then? I had one picture of him off in the distance with another smaller buck with his head down like, like they were sparring. Okay. And once I zoomed in on him, it, it got real blurred, but I could tell it was him. All right. So what's he looking like this year in 2015? 2015, he grew... He had a split brow on his right side. His G3 got taller than his G2 on his left side. And his his beams are probably three and a half inches from touching in the front now. Okay. So he's a real back here, right? So this year, he, this year you're, you're guessing him as at about five years old. Yeah. Okay. What, uh, with that description of his antlers, what do you guess for, uh, what do you guess for a score? Just with the mass he put on, I'd say 150, 155 to 160. Okay, so in that 150, 160 range. All right, so season starts in, let's see, what time does, when does the season start in Kansas? It's in September, right? Uh, September 14th this year, for this 2015 it started. Okay. Now, because you weren't running trail cameras and you really didn't know if you you got one picture of him off in the distance, was was this buck on your mind? Did you know you were going into the season looking for this particular deer, or is there, or was it just another season where hey, I think I'm just going to go in and start hunting? 
this year I was leaning towards shooting a, a more mature deer than I had been shooting. I had shot one, the three-year-old in 2013, and I shot a real young buck in 2014 because I was, I'd had a horrible season and I just wanted to kill a deer and get some meat on the table. So I shot a little, I think, five-point spike that was limping fairly bad. Like, I don't know if he'd been hit by a car or been in a fight, but I went ahead and shot him. So he was, I was more just like, okay, let's try to aim for a higher age class or a bigger body deer. Okay. And I'd really wanted to, I'd really wanted to shoot a deer by bringing him by rattling and grunting. All right. Which, uh, this year I, I think I did. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was the rattling or just the smell. Cause I use a lot of kinks lures. Okay. But it just kind of went in as a, let's try to shoot a higher age class deer, but I'm a just blue collar guy. A deer comes in, I start shaking. <laughs> that's, that's the adrenaline. That's why we do it. Okay. So let's see here. So you said there was a lot of flooding the, this past year and you weren't able to get out to some of the property. Was, was this year a corn year or a bean year for this, for this uh, property? It was silage or corn. Okay. So it was fairly tall stalks. Couldn't see more than a foot in. <laughs> All right. So so now let's talk about preparing for this 2015 season. Did, did you do anything different? Did you do anything special? Did you put a blind in a certain spot or a stand in a certain spot? I did. I had actually bought a brand new blind right before season. And when dove season was over in October, I'd set this blind up actually back off towards the creek away from my, the timber. And once they had cut the silage, I mean, I could see the whole field. And those mornings I had a south wind, I saw at least nine or ten does and four or five bucks that I had no idea were there running through the field on the opposite side that were about 300 yards away. Okay. And what I had done in the summer is when I did check cameras, I sprayed down so heavily that I was almost dripping scent killer. <laughs> so, because I'm playing more of the scent control, I bought the bags and I'm trying to keep everything scent free, washing after every hunt just so I know they may see me, but they're not going to smell me. All right. But I had set up that blind and then about halfway through the season, uh, I had actually got my hands on a, an Ameristep two-person stand that I had set up right next to that corner where I had seen him the year before, but it was on the other side of the field, or the other side of the corner, I should say, about 20 yards into the timber where a big heavy trail had been used, and I had believed that's where they were ducking in and just going right past me. Is it pretty thick in there? No, it's... It's fairly wide open. I mean, you've got your big trees and then your shrub, and then there's, of course, your occasional briar patch and tall grass, but it's fairly open. All right. You could easily get off a 40, 45-yard shot if you had to. Gotcha. So you don't feel that this particular buck, Flash Gordon, is betting on your property. You feel he's betting on another property and coming through to either – I don't know, maybe in the rut check for does or come to a food source. Do you, other than the other than the food 
or the the ag fields, is there any food source? Not really, other than what I've put out. Since we are in Kansas, we can bait. Okay. I, uh, I'll pour out a little bit of corn or some wild game attractant or mineral blocks, and uh, that's mainly what I, I I believe he was coming to with the mineral blocks because I'd seen him several times uh, from camera off in the distance leaving that that spot with a bunch of other bucks, but I could never tell if it was exactly him or not because he was just too far. All right. But so, I had several bucks going. So in Kansas and, and in Iowa, we, we're not allowed to use minerals, um, mineral station or hunt. You can use, you can use mineral stations, but you can't hunt over top of them or hunt near them or hunt on, any, on a trail that leads to them. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny how that works. But in Kansas, I know that my uncle, I don't, I'm not sure if he hunts over bait or not. I don't think he does, but I know of guys who do that. Now, how many, how many bait stations or mineral stations do you have out on your property? Um, I normally have one around each stand, so it'll be two or three a year and then maybe one or two mineral sites. Okay. All right. And do you feel that that is getting the deer to come within shooting range are you having good enough encounters to to do that yeah i uh my 2015 buck i shot actually had walked right past me and went right to one of my bait areas which is 22 yards from me okay and i'd never expected to get a shot right there all right so all right so 2015 you start hunting when was your first encounter with this deer in 2015? Did you have any encounters with him? I did. I Like I had said before, the southern winds brought a lot of deer. I had seen him several times across the field checking does in October. And then when the the lull, or when I believe it started, was around the 8th or 9th, my trail camera stopped bringing deer. I got more raccoons or foxes and coyotes. Well, he was the only buck I was seen on the hoof around that time and he was walking the same tree line every time I was out there up until like clockwork uh, the landowner's son walked out right after daylight to his blind on the other end and scared all the deer off that were out there and the one time he was actually walking to me he looked over and saw him walking to his blind and he just trotted off okay so this is a, on a different piece of property, right? No, this is the same property. Same property. Now, my question was is so the landowner is your let's see, your father-in-law rents this piece, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So you so you share this piece with another person. Uh but yeah, basically her son hunts it every now and then when he's not hunting his farm. Okay. So so this, the, did he know about this bigger buck, this Flash Gordon out on this property? Was he running trail cameras too? And my question to you is, why, why weren't you hunting on the opposite side of the field where you had, where you had been seeing him? Um, well, he's, a, he's an older guy. The landowner was in her 90s, and he was probably, he's probably 50 to 60. Uh, so he he doesn't really hunt in the timber. He hunts on the edge with a crossbow. Um, he knew there was big deer there. 
because my my father-in-law would go out to work on his truck or something uh, right before dark, and he would see these giant deer all the time. And a couple of times when I was helping him, he would stop me from working and tell me to look in the field, and these deer would just be walking through unpressured. And, I mean, I've seen some really big deer one time and never seen them again and found out they've been shot a mile and a half away. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've heard about Kansas deer is, I guess it just depends on what part of Kansas, but the the area that my uh, uncle lives in, it's east of Wichita, they, they, in the rut, they travel a long ways. They're they're working creek systems and river systems up and down for miles. I, I I remember him telling me a story about a particular buck that he was after that he'd been hunting them in this one particular area all season, and then he found the sheds of this buck seven miles away, in a, on a wow. different on a different farm. Seven miles that's a long ways, but out there, the only trees and cover is really in those creek systems. And in those uh, river river systems, because the rest is all in ag fields, yeah. So or or cattle pasture. So so you saw them one time. How many other times did you see them throughout the year? I had seen him three or four other times, and I had a, I had one shot at him. Okay, so I want you to talk specifically about that one time that you had a shot at him and didn't get didn't get the job done what what was uh what was going on it was late october probably the 29th and i had been in the stand for probably three hours afternoon so it was probably three three fifteen and i just kind of did some light grunt sprayed some doe estrus and light rattling and noticed some does start funneling out from where i was on that corner where I just set that new stand. And uh, he walked out. He was the last deer to walk out, and he was the only deer. All the others walked straight across the field. He was the only deer that walked walked out and took a right turn towards me, and he walked straight up the tree line to, I'd say, 26 yards. And I, I drew back. He was in the wide open. Uh, I drew back, went to lean forward so I'd miss a branch and I did not lean far enough and just as I was bringing the pins up to him my elbow hit the branch which made my hand go down hit the trigger and it went straight under him so you missed him at uh, roughly 26 yards yeah it was a clean miss probably okay. a good inch and a half under him what did you what what did what did you feel went wrong did were you having a little bit of buck fever you think or or was it dark or what was the story there I had a decent amount of light. Uh, I hadn't practiced drawing in this tree for that one specific spot, and my elbow just happened to catch the part of the tree that my bow hanger, my bagger on, and just as I went to come up with my pins, I was lifting my shoulders to get more comfortable, and just I didn't know the branch was going to hit me right there. So did I was it? Just gotcha. So. Did it make a noise, or was it it just restricted you from getting to where you needed to be? Yeah, it, as soon as my elbow hit it, because I was bringing my shoulders up fast enough, the shot just went off because of the it startled me first okay. off. Okay, gotcha. Because I didn't expect the branch to be there. Okay. All right. So, 
He ran off. You missed him. What was going through your head after that miss? Oh, man, a million and ten things. Uh, why didn't you check this tree? Why didn't you shift over more, lean forward? Just everything. Okay. I mean, I couldn't stand. I was so shaken. My knees were <laughs> smacking together because this is, this is the biggest deer I'd had in shooting range. Got you. So you're you're saying this, at, you know, this was a 150 class deer roughly, and you just missed him. Did you see him after you said that was roughly October 29th? Did you see him after that at all? I I did. I have a trail camera actually on top of where uh, some of my bait is, right around where he actually walked past. And the day after I shot this little three-year-old seven-pointer the day after that next morning he stepped in the same spot but he a branch had fallen to where I couldn't really get a, a good look at his his whole rack but I, I knew it was him okay so you ended up shooting uh, another buck in 2015 this past year right yes I did okay and that you said that was a three-year-old seven-pointer all right yeah so it is the season's over. Do you know if this buck has shed his antlers yet or not? I I do not. I have I haven't actually been back there because I've been working so much and we just got a new puppy, so I've been training him and it's being nice enough that I'm out fishing, hanging out with friends now. But I I have been through there and looked one time, and it was for maybe an hour, and then it got too dark on me. Okay. Now let's see here. What is your goal for this upcoming season? Granted, let's say let's say right now we don't know or not. Do you, do you still have trail cameras out there? I, I do not. I pulled them so I could change batteries and just haven't been out to put them back up. All right. So are you going to put them back up? Definitely. All right. So you got this. You got this buck next year. Potentially, let's say he makes a big jump. He's Booner class next year as a six year old. If he's if he's still in the area. Um, and if he ha- hasn't been killed by maybe another hunter. Now, what what's your plan going forward to 2016? Are you going to try something different, new access? Um, are you going to be moving to uh, like different locations on that farm? Are, do you have? Are you going to be doing anything different, or are you going to try to do stuff this? You know, take the same approach to try to, to harvest him in 2016. Um, I'm going to do mainly around the same, but I'm going to tweak little things here and there, like where I put my lure, or I might try hunting over a decoy this year. Um, just And more than anything, make sure I have room to shoot. Okay. So, Michael, I got a question for you, and this is from one hunter to another hunter. This past year, when did you, what, when did you start hunting that property? As soon as season opened? No, I actually hunted dove season, and then October when it started cooling off is when I started hunting. But I mean, on that p- property, were you were you dove hunting on that property? Uh, no. Oh, no. Okay, so you're somewhere else. So that that uh, that piece of property was kind of sitting with no not a lot of pressure, right? Because one the piece only, of the only pressure to get gets is either me checking my trail cameras or the farmer coming through with his tractor. My father-in-law will drive the four-wheeler around a little bit, but 
he's drove around with them in the field and they've never left. Okay. So so from that so from that description they're pretty they're pretty unpressured deer is from yeah. what it sounds like. All right. Um so so tell me what uh what else are you going to try to do? I mean, are you going to try to wait a little longer? Are you going to hold out for this particular buck this year? Are you going to um do anything different to try to to try to get him? Um I'm I'm really going to try to I'm going to find where he's coming into the property and leaving the property. I don't know if that's going to be down one of the riverbanks or across from the creek. I'm going to put cameras in spots that I think a deer may come through, but I just, I'm just going to roll the dice and try some different things like that. All right. Hopefully gonna, he shows up. Are you going to be uh, trying to um, access any ground around the area or, or maybe shed hunt the, you know, ask permission to maybe shed hunt the property that the, you know, they don't allow hunting, but maybe they would allow you to take a walk to look for antlers. I am actually going to ask here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully the neighbor that does not allow hunting, if I can just walk through and there's actually a spot that's about oh, a thousand yards from us where three different creeks meet and then it hits the, the big river. Okay. And I was going to try to access that since there's multiple creek crossing different funnels and pinch points. Hopefully that's drawing in a bunch of deer. Okay. Well, uh, let me be the first person to say I wish you the best of luck in 2016, and we're going to have to get you on a, another time after, this year after you kill him. Definitely. Well. Hopefully this year turns out better than the last. And my my bigger goal, I really want to shoot a doe. Every time I've shot at one or shot one, it's either been a horrible shot and I never find her, or I just completely miss it. It's like a curse. <laughs> well, you're going to be practicing a lot more this year, right? Yes, I, I'm actually the VP of 3D at our local archery club, and I do a lot of 3D tournaments through the state just to be ready for that shot. Perfect, perfect. Well, good luck, uh, and uh, thanks for telling your story on the show. And, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, some stories are not yet ended. So we still have, there, there's definitely stories out there and I, you know, especially for me, I have, I have a story or three or four right now that don't have periods at the end of those sentences. So, uh, I'm still waiting for those to unfold now. And, um, just like Lance here. So hopefully the catfish can strike this, uh, this, uh, this upcoming fall and, uh, you know, run those trail cameras. Make sure you got. Make sure you get some pictures and send them our way, so uh, we can show the show the pics to the listeners. Yeah, that'll definitely be a goal to get some kind of recent info on what's coming through. And I, I hope he made it through because he, hopefully, like you said, he does blow up to be something spectacular. Because I'm looking for that one wall hanger. Hopefully you guys found that podcast interesting. I want to uh, thank Lance for coming on the show and uh, taking time out of his day to tell his story. And let me be the first one to wish Lance, Mr. Catfish, good luck on the upcoming season. Hopefully Flash Gordon uh, tastes one of your arrows. and Well, not taste it because I actually know what it's like to shoot a deer in the face. But you send 
an arrow through his vitals this upcoming season and uh, get that wall hanger that you've always wanted. So uh, good luck with that. Now, for all the listeners out there, make sure you guys are subscribing through iTunes or through Stitcher. Make sure you guys are leaving a review. I'd love to uh, hear from as many of you guys as possible. And uh, like I said in the intro, if you guys have a cool hunting story that you want to share, hit me up. Let's talk about it, and maybe I'll get you on the podcast. Also, make sure you guys are visiting my uh, Facebook page as um, you know as often as possible because I I put out new stuff daily, and uh, as always, I I want to hear what you guys are have have to say, and definitely about the gear the the gear podcast that I do. I want to know if you guys are using that product, if you're using a similar product. Do you like it? Do you not like it? And um, the whole the whole goal with these podcasts are to get as much information out to the end user as humanly possible and uh, basically spark conversation through this podcast and uh, see if these products are even worth uh, pursuing. So there's that. Now, I hope... Let's see, today's hump day, so I hope everyone has a great rest of your week, and remember to wear your damn safety harness.